Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's an all-22 Tuesday, my favorite day of the week. We'll look at the fifth straight win from your Miami Dolphins, the offense, the defense, the individuals, areas of improvement, the most critical moments in which Miami executed, plus... The stats, the snap counts, pro football focus, next-gen stats, all the data. We have a busy show here from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. As we do here on the Tuesday show, talking about the All-22, let's go ahead and dive right in, set, hut, and we're going. 12 personnel package early in this game that featured Preston Williams and Savan Ahmed flanking Tua Tungavailoa with Durham Smythe and Mike Gasicki as the balanced inline tight ends. That means on either side of the formation, and then you get an Albert Wilson jet sweep pop pass. On the run, thought he was a little bit indecisive attacking the hole, but the idea here I'm looking at is the mix of personnel, the utilization of this pretty unique skill set of the Miami Dolphins. I think we're seeing more and more of it here as we go along, and it makes me very curious to see what they cook up for this final four-game stretch with a week off to kind of put some more tendency breakers, self-scouting into the fold, and get all that stuff accomplished. Also, I think we saw maybe some jokes about this earlier in the season with this deep tight end room, but it finally happened. Wildcat with 14 personnel. That's one back, Miles Gaskin, with four tight ends. They got Hunter Long, Seathan Carter, Durham Smythe, and Mike Gasicki. All four active tight ends that were dressed on Sunday were in the game for this very crucial four or five yard pickup to help set up that third and short, which later went as a touchdown from Tua Tungavailoa to Isaiah Ford. Speaking of Tua, let's go ahead and get to his game. I thought the ball handling and the ability to get to multiple reads throughout his progression were very important in this game on top of ideal ball placement, which got away from him a couple of times in this game. We'll talk about that. But for the most part, once again, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the National Football League, he was accurate again. And that ball placement does so much to create yards after the catch, not just on slants where you see guys, you know, you talk about the waddle 57-yard catch last week. It's not just those. It's the three, four, five-yard hitch routes, the speed outs, where he puts the ball on the outside shoulder and leads the runner into extra yardage, which on a third and four can give you the difference between coming up short. We'll talk about that in one play and picking up a first down. We'll talk about that in another play. But very right off the top here, the very first play of the game, a couple of others as we went along, we saw this, I thought were indicative of this false narrative I've seen out there. And the Fox broadcast actually mentioned this in their kind of lead into the game, how the Giants' focus was to squat on Tua's first read. And the idea that he can't execute a progression for some reason is odd to me because Nick Saban had an entire episode on ESPN's Detail where he talked about Tua going through full field reads and getting to his third and fourth progression into the read and how there are so few college quarterbacks that could do this and could ever do this at that level. 
And on the very first play, you get Albert Wilson motioning across the formation. Tua has the run option in RPO with Gaskin from the pistol, but he keeps that mesh point, pulls that thing out, and you see a Durham, Durham Smythe get turned free down the seam into that second level. But there's a safety capping it over the top, and it's going to be a headache ball if he throws it so he does not. But because Tua's kind of deciphering between going to the flat, going to the hook, going to the seam, there's a free rusher who is trying to process all of that at the same time. And all these ball fakes get him to leave his feet and creates a passing lane to get the football out wide to Waddle. And that pump also influenced the flat defender to give Waddle room to make a run after the catch for nine yards. Also on that play, really good blocking up front, solid double teams prevented penetration. That's going to be a theme throughout this review of the Dolphins win over the Giants. I thought the floater to Durham Smythe up the sideline, the wheel route was a nice throw. I thought Durham missed time that jump a bit, but Devontae Parker came clean over the middle behind the second level linebackers who pulled up on the play fake. thought Tua had a chance to make that rip. Would have been an easier, more high percentage throw. That third down miss on the opening drive was uncharacteristically behind Jalen Waddle. And Austin Jackson had an awesome rep here where he stonewalls the first man, then passes off and picks up a second block. And the same thing happened for Michael Dieter. I thought both those guys played pretty well in this game on the instances where they did have to go to more of a traditional drop back game because, you know, basically a fifth or a fourth of this offense is, is pretty well mitigated by the quick game with the quarterback's quick release and the play call. There was another quick hitter in this game to Mike Gasicki where he got hit immediately. I'm sure you guys recall what I'm talking about. And it's a two-man route combination, a flattened hook. And Devontae checks up on the hookup route. All that means the hook zone is the middle portion of the field, like five or six yards off the football. They call that the hook zone where you know the hook defender defends that area. And you can try to kind of capitalize against zone coverage in that area. So Devontae checks up on the hook and Mike runs the flat. And there was a, t- a cover two look there with an over-the-top safety in the underneath corner. And I thought maybe the corner behind that uh, b- behind that flat route, a seven route, was open for an opportunity there, but it's not, and it goes for a short gain there. On the second quarter, there was a slant to Devontae Parker, his first catch of the game, and Tua wants him in the first window, but he doesn't have it. So he rolls left and fakes a ball to the flat, and once again, the free defender is influenced by the ball fake of Tua. So it's not just the eyes and the hips and the feet and the stuff before he throws the football. It's the use of the football as a pump fake to get defenders off their feet, to get them to take false steps, whatever the case may be. And then after that, he comes right back into that second window to Parker for a catch and a first down. And these details will never really get talked about by, you know, your general mainstream type of coverage, but they matter so much. And that's why I think that some folks out there are missing the boat on this quarterback because they aren't seeing those fine details that really make a difference between winning and losing. And it's on a play-by-play basis, kind of like Devontae's next catch. We talked about this already. A seemingly innocuous five-yard hitch route on third and two. And James Bradbury, one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League, is playing off coverage. He has eyes on the quarterback. He knows they want to go short, and he thinks he might have a chance to drive inside for a pick six here. But not so fast, my friend. Tua throws this ball wide, which spins Parker not just away from play on the football, but from any kind of hit. It gives him a a free run to the sideline, so you don't got to take a hit. You have a a catch and a conversion to move the sticks up the sideline. He did it again two plays later to Jalen Waddell on a hookup from the field side slot, and it put him in between a pocket of Giants defenders right out of harm's way. That's going to make receivers make more, better, tougher catches for you. 
the short hop throw to Albert Wilson on third down. And there wasn't much there for him to work with, but I thought he could have planted and driven the ball to get more behind it on that throw because he slid and kind of in one motion does a little hop step and then throws from those flat feet. And I think it cost him some velocity. That's an area I think Tua can maybe work on over the bye week is finding more free space in the pocket to set those feet and throw with more velocity on some of those throws. That's the only time I ever see his arm kind of lose velocity on those particular throws. Then some good stuff here. The first touchdown drive, man, the ball was out. The ball was on target. It was meeting guys right as they hit the top of the route. Very precision-like. He completes 11 of 12 passes on this drive. And I think that's where you really saw him kind of settle into the game there. All different kinds of platforms, arm angles, and yet the ball is right where it needs to be each and every time. There was a concern about his height coming out. I don't really get into that. I don't care. As long as you can play, you can play. But you would think for a six-foot quarterback that he would have all kinds of passes swatted back in his face of the line, right? Remember Ryan Tannehill back in his rookie season? It happened over and over again. It was six foot four. But Tua does a good job to manipulate the coverage and the defensive line with those ball fakes and the footwork in the pocket, and he's very adept at finding those passing lanes and adjusting to get it through said lane. I loved the read on the pass to Mike Gesicki in the corner of the end zone that hit him in the helmet. He was even, he was leaving, Tua lays it out there, and it was just beyond the defensive back's reach. But I won't blame Mike here because the defensive back's hand is directly between his two hands, and that's tough to make a catch. Like, it hits him in the face, so you say he should have caught it, but when the ball was going towards his hands, the DB's hand was right there too, so tough to make that play. I praise the location of Tua in the first half. The third down ball early in the third quarter to Jalen Waddell, where he comes up short of the sticks and the punt team comes on, that's a good example of what happens when the ball does not take the receiver on an out route to the sideline. Ball placement is so critical, both good and bad. On the very next play, a crossing route to Mike Gesicki, a dime over the top of that second-level linebacker trying to get depth, but it's too late, but the football is dropped. I think across the whole offense, and Tua talked about this a little bit, that he's glad they won, but he felt they left some chances out there. Thought this play was a very embodiment of that type of game. Pretty evident on tape. Something to work about here going down the stretch. Something to work on going down the stretch. I'm flying, baby. Jalen Waddle's drop was a nice catch rock throw right into the run after the catch. He rips another strong one to Wilson on the next play, but Julian Love makes a great play to put his hands on it and prevent a third and eight conversion. But on that Waddle one, he, I think he was gone. I think he was going for, for a house call on that one. But it's okay. We got one soon after the 25-yard rip to Waddle. It's a double over, cross, deep crossing routes from either side of the formation. And Jalen has nothing but green grass out in front of him to run to. And Tua has that football come out early. Great timing. Now, the throw could have been there a little bit more out in front to keep him running, maybe. But the pass pro was terrific. And I'm a huge fan of these split zone looks where you fake the handoff, tight end comes across the formation to join the running back on the same side of the formation, and they go up and chip the outside tackle while the rest of the line slides the opposite direction so you get better, more favorable one-on-one matchups, and you take on their edge rusher with a two-on-one look. And that, on top of the possibility of a possible false step laterally, it just helps out the line so much. That's been a big part of these game plans recently, helping the offensive line and pass protection. And on Tua, that ball came out before Waddle began to make the cross of the crossing route. But again, a little bit better location, I think maybe has a bigger play there. On the same drive, the little flip out wide to Albert Wilson going in towards the end zone. Man, Tua rides that mesh point for quite a minute there, and it influences the edge who had one around the outside to me, that's Tua's best trait in this particular game, his ability to manipulate the defense. You have to imagine that's very frustrating for a defense to try to defend that. Also, 
with a quick setup and throw where he's not set, not ideal mechanics, but still he manages to put the ball out wide, which turns Albert Wilson into a cutback for a nice catch and run. Again, placement is so very critical. On the Isaiah Ford touchdown, just a couple plays later, as a matter of fact, you know what? Isaiah talked about this in his press conference. Let's just go ahead and go to Isaiah to talk about this touchdown catch. They really put the Dolphins out in front by 11 points in that fourth quarter. Let's go ahead and hear from the Dolphins receiver. It was weird because uh, I hadn't ripped that play all week. Um, it's just something that we put in the game plan. Um, and uh, it was for Jalen, uh, but he was cramping and everything. So uh, they trusted me to go in there and uh, know what to do. Um, and we went out there and executed it. But uh, the, the Giants actually covered it pretty well. Uh, Tua did an extremely good job of buying some time and kind of deceiving the defense with his eyes a little bit and gave him enough time to foil back uh, right at the front pylon. And he, he uh, threw a great ball, and I was able to make the catch. Now, he's not going to talk about it himself, but I'll go ahead and do it for him. Great toe tap and awareness to make sure he knew where his feet was before making the catch attempt to make sure that it counted when he secured that thing and pulled it in. Good time, or big time touchdown there, I should say, for the Dolphins quarterback to receiver. Let's go ahead and finish up with the two third down throws to ice this game here late. Devontae Parker talked about this on Monday as well. said he loves how Tua recognizes one-on-one situations and gives his guy a chance, and that's what this was. The Giants had bracketed the field side trips with zone and then man on the backside to the boundary to Devontae Parker, who got on the upfield shoulder of that corner and turned him into a full sprint to catch up to the potential deep ball, which then allows him to slam on the brakes, come back to the football. It's a terrific route. The throw is just as good and an even better catch from Devontae, moving that or bringing that thing into his body, away from his body while contorting towards the sideline, getting the feed in at the same time. Then to Mike. This one was also very nice. The Giants switched up to man-free, and they press across the board. Man-on-man coverage, a single high safety up top, and Gasicki stacks his man and blocks him out. It's a four-man pass rush. Tua throws a perfect ball. Had to do it, right? Go ahead and try it. Okay, I'll oblige. Throws a perfect pass, but not before sliding up in the pocket to mitigate a little bit of pressure off the edge, throwing it in rhythm. Really nice touch pass. That's a dime to put the game away. Great job, young man. And again, Mike Gasicki, his best route and catch of the game. Boom, baby. Let's go. Jalen Waddle, the second catch, the toe tap on the sideline. Short motion to stack. Gets himself a little bit of a chip on the defender just to kind of get his route set up there. And then he shows his number to Tua, plants his feet inbounds. Some nice nuance there from the rookie receiver. More veteran-type work from him. And the location is very, very good, just as it was all day on those perimeter throws. Away from danger, but still in reach for his wide receiver. The second and 10 first down conversion on that opening drive, he just sets down in in between a giant zone. He presses outside, and this is what I like about this play. He presses outside, and you see the corner get width and immediately turn his butt to the sideline, which 99% of the time indicates zone coverage. Then he flattens it right back in behind that curl hook defender at the sticks, and the ball is out right when he hits the break and right on him as he turns to the football. That type of stuff to force the cornerback to show their hands early only helps Tua ID coverage post-snap. That's why one of the many, many things about Waddle you have to love. And we talk about meat on the bone. Just watch him run all of his reps because even when the ball's not going there, you see some of his best reps in the game. The Parker first back shoulder ball, they try to reroute Waddle with a linebacker in addition to the coverage he has by the cornerback. He gets on top of the reroute, completely sheds it, stacks the slot and breaks that thing off inside. He's open. 
Obviously, we got 16 yards on that play, but he's open for a potential big game there as well. Very pretty work. His third down conversion on the first touchdown drive towards the end of the half, he takes a slow release and then a quick explosion step inside with a nice little rub design from Devontae Parker. I just don't know how you cover that. He slow steps off the line of scrimmage and basically sets that cornerback up for that kind of, I have a head start because I'm moving and you have to react to me. With his speed and explosiveness, you can't react fast enough. And I love the location from Tua to lead him into the ground to get both the first down past the sticks, but also protect his receiver. On the Mac Hollins touchdown, you see both the flat and deep defender come up and take the cheese on the flat to waddle. They're focused on him. Awesome play design to play off of that focus and sneak that receiver in back to the back pylon. And that's a very good throw from Tua to the back corner, and Mac makes a tough catch for six. And we saw Tua, or rather Waddle, get really upset after that lone drop. I have to say, I think it's because he probably thought he was going to score on that play. The safety is coming straight downhill. Parker's man, who's right there as well, doesn't have an angle if he can run at full speed, which I think he could have because the ball was right on the money. I think it might have been a 61-yard touchdown if he runs the same way he did in the Carolina game. As for Devontae, Parker kind of covered his game a little, bit, a little bit, but he really caught everything. I was so impressed with, obviously, the body control on the sideline grabs, but the concentration, the feet, all of it. But even on the other throws, he just vacuums that thing in and protects it for his quarterback. And that first back shoulder throw, just nice timing to see it, feel it, break it off at the time of arrival. And again, terrific location on that ball. Thought Savon Ahmed had the best run of the day. Nice patience and a great jump cut after pressing inside to help Jesse Davis sustain a block and then a really nice run outside for 12 yards. Big Rob Hunt had a downfield block on a linebacker that was terrific. And Jalen Waddle also had a nice outside block on that run. Austin Jackson, I think, continues to get better. I mentioned this in his pass pro, or mentioned his pass pro, I should say. On the very next play after that play we talked about, the next series, he catches a double team with Michael Dieter. It's perfectly played hip to hip, shoulder to shoulder. Then he climbs up to the second level and blocks out the sun on that second level linebacker. Him and Dieter, man, we'll talk about this in the stats portion. They were getting some push. A nice seven yard pop on that drive to end the first half, and a nice call to run the ball there with three timeouts in plus territory, a minute 45 on the clock. You both take time off the clock and get yourself into a second and short, which is obviously a very fortunate position to be in. Later on, he gets himself a pancake on a short Gaskin run. I thought he was driving guys off the football pretty continuously and and consistently throughout the course of this game. In general, I think the doubles on this line are really good across the board. There's lots of opportunities there where they create situations where the running back is one-on-one at the second level with a linebacker, and hopefully we can start winning some more of those matchups. Hunter Long, I think there's something there with him in the run blocking game. Early on, he had a really good rep on Leonard Williams, which he did enough to keep him at bay while Robert Hunt pulled backside to help wipe him out on a double. That's a tough ask for a tight end, though, much less a first-year player against a guy in Leonard Williams who's played like 107 straight games in his pro career. Keep an eye on number 84 in the run blocking game going forward here. And then Rob Hunt, really good day in pass pro. I liked how when Dexter Lawrence would try to one-gap him and shoot upfield for a quick uh, run stuff or even a pass rush, he would just take him where he wanted to go. He didn't lose power against him, and he would just basically use that speed against him and ran him out of the play completely. A nice game here from Big Rob. I also like how uh, Hunter Long got north and south. I just skipped this note, but on his one reception in the game, the way he got north and south after the catch was impressed by that. Good stuff there from the rookie. Let's move on to the defense here. As it was a pretty busy one, as pretty much everybody got in the notes here because of production across the board, but as a whole, the way they rallied and tackled all game long 
Personally, I love this usage of Nick Needham and Eric Rowe at their safety slash nickel cornerback position, slot cornerback positions. They've really stepped up to fill the role slash void left by Brandon Jones and his absence last couple of games, as you have seen a big increase in safety snaps for Nick Needham, which then puts Eric Rowe in more of a slot cornerback position. So he's playing a little bit of both, finding his way onto the football field, not just in sub packages here, but also in base. And that's kind of the complement of this Dolphins defense and the cross train they have done all Really, since Brian Flores got here, the more you can do, the more you can help your team. And I think that's a big reason why the Dolphins kind of survived the attrition of a season so well and have a 17-6 and post-Halloween record here under Brian Flores. Guys go down, next man up. It's a big mentality down here, and they execute it very well. <clears throat> I think one of the greatest elements of this defense right now is the communication between the second and third level of the defense. The way they pass off without missing a beat and then they rally up and tackle on the short game. It's just so hard to beat this defense with the way they're playing. You have to stay patient. You have to try to compete on first downs. More on that in just a moment. And if you come up short on those first down plays and get behind schedule, it unlocks all the games and complex rush packages this defense has at their disposal. But the sure tackling and sound communication within that second level sure is a big key for this defense right now. And cutting down those four or five yard plays, not letting them get out the back door for 10, 11, 12 yards and first downs. And Saquon Barkley in this game, he consistently had to stop his feet and change direction upon approaching the line of scrimmage. And Miami played that bare front, which is going to cover up the center and the two guards with Raekwon on the nose, Sealer and Wilkins at the two or two eye techniques. That's either on the head up over the guard or on the inside shoulder of the guard. And they just got no push, the Giants, on those looks. Again, more on the first down defense and run defense coming up. But Andrew Van Ginkle also in those looks plays a hell of an edge to kind of rush the passer, play in coverage, play the run. And so is Jerome Baker with the kind of an evolving role, playing some more weak side edge, basically going back to that Ravens game back in week 10 in these looks. And you can really see his speed and ability to cut down angles really come into play in this position. This staff right now is pushing all the right buttons on how to use these weapons on defense. And again, more on the first down defensive success here in a minute, but there's a run play, second and 10, early second quarter, and you just have Eric Rowe, Jerome Baker, and Christian Wilkins to a man all attacking their blocks, and that allows them to stack them up and again, Barkley has nowhere to go. And then Xavier Howard comes in and sticks his face in the fan too. The toughness, the tackling, the beating blocks have all been keys to this Dolphins defensive turnaround. And I thought they schemed up pressure so well from about the second quarter on. Baker has multiple free runs that create pressure on the quarterback throughout the course of the second half. And his fourth quarter pass rush really took off in this game. One other thing I really like is how they can load up with four defensive backs and their seven-man front and compete against bully ball, or they can go to their seven defensive back package and do it there as well. They are, they are very well-versed in multiple looks and very deep in all those spots. Some of the individuals, Raekwon Davis, kicked off the first two plays of the first two drives, shedding, shedding a tackle or a block rather, and making a run stop, then stacks up another one later on to help out his friends. He's playing with so much power right now, and he's kind of the one that gets the least amount of stat production here, but he consistently plays well and a strong nose tackle here for Miami. Christian Wilkins, it's more of the same for him. He stays on balance. The feet stay active. His hands are in position to disengage and make plays, whether it's 
at the point against a power running team or down the line making you know seven or eight crossover steps against zone. Such a solid player against every kind of look you can throw at him. He also picked up a TFL, or I guess it was a no gain, in the third quarter by completely dismissing a pulling guard. He swipes the hands down and sidesteps him, and you see the guard just basically fall over the front of his skis because of that work. Zach Sealer, first splash play of the game for him was on the Javon Holland near interception. He just chucks his man and gives himself a free line, a free run to put a big hit on Mike Glennon. The very next drive as a four technique, he has an absolutely devastating swim move on the guard who again stumbles forward out over his skis after a heavy handed slap to the back. Sealer hits Glennon and forces a throw away on that play. Staying up front, Adam Butler, his sack was awesome. First of all, Jalen Phillips' inside pressure completely removes the guard from the equation, and Butler just waits for that pick and comes around the edge and explodes downhill, showing that first-step quickness to put a big shot on the quarterback for a big-time sack and a great celebration following up that as well. Andrew Van Ginkle, what a game he had. I thought one of the best games of his entire career. He starts off with a shoestring tackle on Saquon Barkley on a screen pass where he might have been able to get around that corner and move the sticks. Instead, it goes for a no gain as they had just gotten into plus territory as well. So kind of a crucial points type of drive right there. The very next drive, he works so hard to stay on the upfield shoulder of the tight end on an off-tackle run or off-end run, and Barkley tries to string this thing out, but Gink's tackle attempt forces him to bubble backwards, negative two yards, and then here comes Alanda Roberts to clean that thing up. On a Kenny Galladay catch early in the second quarter, Van Ginkle loops inside, and you see that lateral agility and the ability to cut down the angle to put a good shot on the quarterback. I just noted this because he's playing so fast right now. You can see 43 playing at a different speed than he was earlier in the season, I think. And then a drive later, it looks like he tries to steal one by kind of shooting across the face of the tackle. And that's one of those things where you play within the scheme, but you start to get more comfortable within the scheme, and then you can start taking some more chances. Maybe it was by design, but it looked to me like he he tried to take a chance here and get himself a big play. And he gets there, and Barkley sidesteps out of it, but not far enough as Van Ginkle lays out and makes another run stop right there. Pretty much every play he made in the run game was right at the line, had a few quarterback hits as well. So he had a fantastic game for Andrew Van Ginkle. Also covered it well. Jalen Phillips' first sack... Byron Jones had tremendous coverage on the read that Glennon wanted to go to, but the closing speed of Phillips really stood out on this sack. He saw his line to the quarterback, and he took off, and Glennon could not get through the tight coverage, the downfield reads quick enough, and he has to eat that sack. On the very next play, he does a great job of staying true to his rush lane. You can tell that he wants to disengage and was ready to do it, but because of a nice little step-up window they had given Mike Glennon, he doesn't want to you know, disengage right and then have Glennon sneak around the left or vice versa. So he didn't choose the wrong direction, just kept pushing the tackle into the quarterback. And then once Mike Glennon made his choice, he comes off the block and gets there. He took the drive over and basically wiped out that entire possession and gave Miami great field position on the other end on the next drive. Emmanuel Ogba didn't have tons of chances in the pass rush game here. They chipped in, they doubled him, but he really impacted the game that way. But also his run defense off the edge was stout once again. Jerome Baker mentioned him off the top of this segment here. In the first quarter, he has a really nice rep against a now route, which is a catch the football by the quarterback and get it out of your hands quickly, where he gets wide and that forces Darius Slayton to bubble and change direction for a loss on the play. And again, his fourth quarter pass rush was ferocious, consistent pressure in that period. I thought Duke Riley filled well in the running game all game long. He's taken on a bigger role here and played very well. Landon Roberts, same deal with him. He played so aggressive in this game and was the free man in the gap often. 
I know he wants that interception opportunity back because he did a great job getting depth, getting to his landmark. You then see his head whip around and locate the route right next to him. He breaks on it, but just cannot quite squeeze the football. But a big game from Landon Roberts. Sam Egwavon has a crucial pressure on a third down incompletion running the pipe as the looper off a game where Adam Butler kind of set that pick and creates a lane as Egwavon comes from the three technique and loops around inside for a pressure on the quarterback. In the secondary, Eric Rowe out the play on the now route out wide to Darius Slayton on drive number two where he comes from depth and makes an open field tackle. He looked so fast on that play. The very next play, they sneak one behind him. And if one more step of depth could have gotten the defense off on third down and really helped flip the field early in the game. But that was about as much as the Giants got cooking. And Eric Rowe, I thought, played very well. We talked about the run defense off the top. He talked about this openly back in 2019, 2020, about how far he's come or how far he had to go against the run in his transition to safety. I see a really confident and aggressive player in the way he attacks things. He kind of plays the linebacker mentality down in the mess, and it's showing up for him here in recent weeks. Xavier Howard on the pick. You can see the corner route that's supposed to design to pull Xavier Howard down off deep coverage with him and Javon Holland. But Mike Glenn loads it up and takes a shot anyway. And right when X sees this, he gets back and gets depth. He finds the football. He high points it, makes an unreal catch. The way he makes those catches, you just do not see that very often from a defender. And throughout the course of this game, consistently good coverage where he not only is in position, but disrupts the route and eventually the timing. And I think it's a big reason why when quarterbacks go after him, he has such a high propensity for interceptions. Byron Jones, a lot of the same here. I like the way he presses the receiver into decisions and into their routes quickly. And because of his long speed, he can kind of pin them to the perimeter, get his eyes back to the quarterback. Then he has the recovery speed to get vertical if he has to, or drive back down the stem. Another big game for Jones and X. And then Javon Holland, the speed to the quarterback as a blitzer. That first pressure on Mike Glennon, he was moving and it made Glennon pay for letting that route develop a little bit and hang on to the ball a little bit and take a big shot there from Javon Holland. Literally the next play on the next drive, or the, the next play, which is on the next drive, he's reading Mike Glennon's eyes on a crosser off play pass, and he drives on that thing, drops the shoulder, makes a clean hit to separate the football. Seems like every week this guy comes up with a textbook level hit. On the near pick, with he and X in the end zone this time, he he goes right as Mike Glennon starts to throw the football and gets himself in position to make that play to make a pick. But there were six hands in the equation with the receiver and X. So it goes down as a pass breakup. So that's your film review. Let's go ahead and do the stats now from this game. I had to put some counting stats, some volume stats in here because there's some pretty impressive ones this week. And his passer rating splits in the fourth quarter, to a tongue of Iloa that is, it's the best among all quarterbacks since 1994 when Stathead, that's as far back as they go. It's 109.7 the best over a 28-year period for Tungavailoa. On the season, he ranks second in completion percentage, 70.9, and eighth in total QBR at 58.1. His completion percentage is second. His total QBR is eighth right now. His passer rating, 15th. His touchdown percentage, 15th. His interception percentage, also 15th. He has the 17th highest YPA yards per attempt. And his sack percentage, Tua Tungavailoa is sacked the sixth lowest rate in the National Football League. Jalen Waddell is tied for second in the NFL, not among rookies, among all receivers with 86 grabs. He's 14th in receiving yards. Jalen Phillips is tied for 11th in sacks. Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba, and Andrew Van Ginkle are all top 15 in quarterback hits. Miami is allowing currently 
5.11 yards per play on first down. That's 10th best in the NFL this season. Since week nine, the start of the winning streak, they're tops at 4.19 yards per first down play. That early down success tees up the splash plays later in the series as Emmanuel Ogba, 19 QB hits, Andrew Van Ginkle, 18, Jalen Phillips with 16, again, all in the top 15. The Dolphins also have three players in the top 20 in passes defense. Xavier Howard has 14, Emmanuel Ogba has nine. There's no other defensive lineman in that category. Javon Holland also has nine. Holland leads all safeties, not rookies, all safeties in QB pressures with 15. He's also tied for third among all safeties, not rookies, with nine passes defensed. Some pro football focus numbers. Tua on throws 20 plus yards, one for two, 25 yards in the 10 to 19 yard range, eight for 13, a bucko six and a touchdown pass. In the short, 0 to 9 yards, 18 for 21, 109 and 1 touchdown. All of those passer ratings were 95 or better. In the mid-range, it was 113. If you combine all the throws, 10 plus yards, 9 for 15, 131 yards and a touchdown, and the Dolphins dropped three balls. So 12 for 15 on-target balls there on throws 10 plus yards. Under pressure, 4 for 6, 43 yards. When blitzed, 8 for 12, 74 yards and a tutty. When he was kept clean, 26 for 35 with 201, two touchdowns, and PFF credits Miami with four drops. So again, kept clean, 30 of 35 on-target throws. On the season, his adjusted completion percentage actually ranks the same as his actual completion percentage. PFF has him at 79%. That stat wipes away all the drops. So he's on target four out of five of his throws. That's not bad. Kirk Cousins is the only one higher in the NFL right now. Receivers, Devontae Parker caught all five of his targets. That's 12.1 yards per target, 1.94 yards per route run. Remember, two yards is about where you want to be on that stat. Jalen Waddell, nine for 11 for nine yards per target, 2.43 yards per route ran. Mack and Ford each caught one pass. They were both touchdowns. Mike Gesicki, seven for 10, 10 yards per target, and 1.35 yards per route ran. And pressures allowed, Liam Eikenberg, Austin Jackson, and Michael Dieter all allowed one apiece. That sack where Jackson didn't get over enough before on the Green Dog Blitz, they gave him the sack. The other sack went to Tua Tungavailoa from PFF. Rob Hunt, no pressures allowed. Jesse Davis, four pressures allowed. The rushing direction bests right end, off right tackle. There was one carry for 11 yards. That's an 11-yard average. But the middle left, Jackson and Dieter, who I thought played fantastic in this game in the running game, had a 4.0 average. Defensively, Phillips leads the way with five pressures. Jerome Baker has four. Adam Butler has three. Sealer, Wilkins, and Van Ginkle all have two apiece. Javon Holland, Sam Egelvon, Duke Riley, and Eric Rowe all had one apiece. As far as run stops go, Van Ginkle and Rowe had four apiece. Wow. Sealer, Phillips, Wilkins, and Roberts had two apiece, and a lot of guys had one. Needham, Raekwon, Bake, Butler, Duke, and Byron. How about some coverage stats? Byron Jones, 48 snaps in coverage, 47 yards allowed. That's very good. Eric Rowe, 47 coverage snaps, 45 yards allowed. Nick Needham, 28 coverage snaps, 43 yards allowed. How about these two? Xavier Howard, 48 coverage snaps. Javon Holland, 45 coverage snaps. Goose egg for both. No yards allowed, no catches allowed. Next Gen has Tua at a 2.5 time to throw. That's the second quickest this year in the National Football League behind Ben Roethlisberger. His 17.8% aggressive percentage, which tracks... At the catch point, a defender being within one yard of the receiver, his aggressive rate is the sixth highest. His completion above expected is plus 3.2%. That's also sixth best in the National Football League. Some snap counts here. 
Quarterback and offensive line all went wire to wire. They played 69 snaps. Nice. That's 100% of the work. Jalen Waddle leads receivers with 53 snaps, 77% of the workload. Devontae Parker plays 49 back in his return. Albert Wilson plays 40 snaps on the game. Isaiah Ford had 14. Preston Williams, 11. And Mac Hollins, 9 snaps. At running back, Miles Gaskin plays 44, 64% of the workload. Savon Ahmed gets an increase after Patrick Laird goes down. He plays 22 snaps. Laird has the 2 at tight end. Mike Gesicki, 46 snaps. That's 67% of the workload. Durham Smythe, 42. Hunter Long played 10. Seathan Carter played 3. On defense, Christian Wilkins, 37 snaps. That's 57% of the workload. Davis, 34. Sealer, 33. Butler, 33. All those guys giving you a lot of snaps in this game. Off the edge, Van Ginkle leads the way with 54 snaps, 83% of the workload. Emmanuel Ogba plays 38. Phillips, 29. And Vince Beagle, 2. At linebacker, Jerome Baker missed, I believe, let's see, two snaps. He played 63 in the game. That's 97%. Roberts played 35. Riley, 33. Big increased role for him. And Egwavon played three. Both Byron and X played every snap, all 65. Needham, 38. Coleman, 22. And only two safeties had snaps on defense. Holland and Rowe both played every single snap. As far as specialists go, Beagle played 25. Fedulum, 24. So Van Ginkle, in addition to his... What was it? 54 defensive snaps. Also gave you 22 special team snaps. Hollins, Egwavon, Riley, and Carter all played 18 apiece. Igbo played 17. Smythe and Redwine had 15 special team snaps in this game. Should we scan the social? I was going to, but it seems pretty harmonious out there. So let's go ahead and punt that to next week. 65 yards out of here, just like a Michael Polari career-long punt like he had in the game on Sunday. All right, that's going to be my time on the film review, the stat review here. Any questions for me, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at WingfulNFL. If you have not done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins across all socials. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins Today with Joanna and myself and Rachel Smith. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, Finza, Caroline, Daddy is coming.